0: 'Cause I just I was I'm from the eighties so you know I like the sweatsuits and the tennis shoes with the fat laces and the you know, dope hats and you know what I mean, just dope glasses, just looking fly all the time, you know what I mean? Nice jewelry and all that shit. That really was attracted me to wanting to actually become one. If I can look like that, you know what I mean? But uh um, when I really actually knew I was gonna do it, it was um probably when I was around about nine.
1: I'm a dog dealer. On top of that, I'm a lie in the stiller. You gotta remember I'm the nigger home. We'll big like King Kong and Godzilla in the same room. I'm on the run from the boys having fun, but I know I feel a tank soon. We have my new music Tuesdays buddy, which I will be I've been a little busy, but I'll get back to that eventually. Uh David Drake here is here to talk about the jacka album tear gas. Um what's up how you doing
0: doing good i'm excited to talk about this project
1: it you know when you sent me this what's really what's really going to be interesting is you know the jacka is pretty pop pretty you know in in hardcore hip-hop fans like me and you it's you know you know who this is but Mm -hmm. in you know mainstream hip-hop fans they don't really know who the Jacka is you might know who e40 is But you don't know who the jacket is you know what i mean and and it's he he deserves a lot of credit in terms of bay and hip-hop and and what he did and so it's it's interesting that you picked this album i'm really glad that you did
0: yeah um i mean i think that uh he never really crossed over in any kind of meaningful way and uh, there's a lot of reasons for that but a lot of them i think are um it it showed it, it taught me a lot about the sort of arbitrariness of the music industry, I think, because as an artist, I feel like he was actually a, a prime candidate for somebody that with given the right timing and investment and everything else, he could have been and, and would have been a widely respected figure. And instead he's just considered sort of a regional star. And there are of course rappers like in any city who are just going to be regional stars, but there are also rappers who have like do things that are could easily appeal to people outside their region, but never really get the exposure. And this was particularly true in the time he came up. So like pre streaming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2009 in general is a very interesting rap year. that is the year that Tear Guest came out. What's interesting. I think about, and I've I've seen you talk about this as well. uh, Empire State of Mind, for example, the group was huge in pop charts, but it's also a really interesting year in terms of there was a lot of seminal, uh street stuff that was happening in two thousand nine that wasn't getting of pub Gucci main, for example, had a great two thousand nine. That's an all-time rap year, right? Two thousand nine Gucci sure. main is an all time uh, rap 100%. year. Yeah. And and you have uh most deaths uh the aesthetic too came out in two thousand nine and you have the Jack album. So it's it two thousand nine is a very interesting year for rap in terms of it was became very popular stuff really wasn't that good. Two
0: thousand nine I think I have a friend who um it, not just in rap, but he describes it, uh, the dynamic like this. It's um, in 2009, all the stuff that was popular, like the stuff that was popular and good wasn't very populist. It wasn't very like the kind of records you'd hear on a dance floor or that you'd hear like, um you know, passing cars that kind of thing. And the stuff that was populist and good wasn't popular. That would be stuff like the Jacka at the time, the UK funky scene, which like was a big dance scene in London that, Drake ended up sampling for one dance. Uh, There's lots of scenes like this, Atlanta uh, swag rap scene, the Dallas scene at the time, and the Bay Area scene, of course, with Jacka. And then the third leg of this tripod, I probably should have said this in a different order, but is the stuff that was um, popular and populist, but it wasn't good. So there was always, he saw it as like popular, populist, good as the three legs of this tripod and all the music that was like out, It all seemed to have like two legs at a time, but never all three. And a lot of times, I think in moments we think of in pop culture, in the music industry, that are the most exciting are the ones that are all three. Like the best songs are also very popular and they're also populist. Like you go out to the club and you hear them, you hear them at a party, you hear them. Those are like the 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 exciting moments. And and 2009 was the worst period. What's that?
1: Yeah, the, the box by Roddy, which I think, fits those three categories you just yes. said. Like that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like 100%. that song was the first song that came to my mind. Yeah, probably on the back streets. Actually, in the club did, by 50 yeah. Cent
0: or like uh, Nelly records or there's a lot of like around 2000s. Millennial rap is like there's a lot of records like that. 2004 was one of the biggest years for that. Um, where it's like good records popular records and populist records all kind of coinciding and then like the industry bottoms out around 2009 and that, that means practically is that a lot of artists aren't getting invested in and i think of the jackas album as an example of uh like street rap that was hugely popular in the bay he had a hit radio record but he couldn't like get the attention of people outside and there were. All the stuff that sort of got attention at that time, that is now, a lot of it's very widely celebrated. The Mac Miller, J. Cole, uh, Big Crit Currency era is the blog rap era. And that stuff, no disrespect to those guys at all, but there were a lot of scenes in rap that, in the, if they came up in the streaming era, I think would have been a lot bigger. And, yeah. and like the ones we just mentioned, and, and the Bay Area one is definitely one of them, and Jacka was like at the heart of that
1: yeah it's I, I think he's a case of someone who might have come around uh, a few years too early and not only just with the streaming too but or, or just his too style of
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: his style of music in general I think too is, is something uh, I mean you we were we were talking about uh outside the podcast and privately about like you know a lot of the stuff that has now made Drake the biggest pop star in the world is stuff that Jacob is doing
0: yeah. Um, so the, the way that I first heard him, well, I first heard him actually because he was on a split mixtape with uh, Lil Kiki from Texas around the time when Texas was like the hottest rap scene. This is 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. still tipping, all that stuff. And for some reason, mm-hmm. Jacka and Hustla were on, had a split project with Lil Kiki, who's like a legendary Houston rapper. And uh, I remember hearing this song. It's like called Pigeon or Pigeon on a T-shirt. And I thought it was, um, there was something really, it's a beautiful record. It has this kind of East Coast feel, even though it's from the Bay. And there's this really memorable image in the lyrics, which is a very like, this is a very Jacka writing style thing, but it's like about, he's talking about um, you know why, it's regret over how the last sound, the line is something like, the last sound that he heard had to sound like thunder. A way of saying that like, in defending himself, he shot someone and the sound of the gun is like it's just a very po. It was a very poetic way of putting something that we've heard like said in rap music millions of times, but I never heard it say- said in quite a like such a poetic and like visceral way. I hate when music critics overdo yeah, visceral, yeah. but like and I- it is this very like this imagery
1: has this real presence. I think that comes- less is more as a writer. I think too, and that's something that Jack was really good at hundred percent. That was that. That like describes his
0: style. It's, it's like that, that Hemingway-esque, like the the iceberg style. The the less is more. He would say very. His his writing style was always very like minimal, and yet it implied these like deeper wells of meaning in a way that mm-hmm. like feels effortless and feels like casual, as if he's just sort of like it is very direct. But it mm-hmm. it shows I think a greater degree of craft than like so many other artists at the time. I just remember feeling like he was just on another level in terms of uh, the way that he could, you know, create sort of caverns of meaning from, from very pithy sort of rap bars. And that kind of economy was like so refreshing, especially like at that time, it seemed like a lot of like critics and fans were really into and chasing the high of the like, like Yellow Wolf was a really celebrated rapper on blogs around that time because he had this real like uh, rapid fire, filling every every bar with like, uh, you know, lots of syllables and yeah, And, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. and um, I think Jacka's from from like the perspective like critics and bloggers and the guys that were like what they were looking for. Jacka didn't really fit that, um, but like fans in the Bay loved that and, and were drawn to it.
1: Yeah, it's also, I think not everyone, um, not every rapper has to have the same style, right? You mentioned Yellow Wolf and it's like, those quadruple uh, or might work for one, it might work for Jay-Z. It doesn't mean it's not gonna work for everybody else. You know what I mean? And right. so I think there's different styles of rap that can be just as affecting and also just as skillful. Um, for, sure. for me, like when I listen to him, when you discuss saying something in a visceral way, but still sounding really cool, I thought about prodigy, right? I think that's like Mm -hmm. the best example of someone who said something in a very visceral way, but also said it in a way that no one else, like rock you in the face, stab your brain with your nose bone, isn't something (laughs) anyone else has ever said, but it's a very visceral just sentence.
0: That's a hundred percent a like, so I would say that one of the biggest influences, so Jack, first off, real to give a little history, because so many people don't know, he's from this group called the Mob Figures, who are out of... um, Uh, They're actually from, he's actually from uh, Rich, not Richmond, Uh, shit, I'm gonna have to correct this later. Um, Pittsburgh, excuse me, Pittsburgh, I don't know the Bay Area super well, so I'm like doing this off memory. Mm -hmm. But he's from Pittsburgh, California, which is not like a super well known part of the Bay Area outside of it, like we know Vallejo because of U be forty. We know San Francisco, of course. We know Sibo.
1: Uh, C- 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 is from Sacramento, um, which uh, didn't Sibo C- C- formed the Mob Figures, right?
0: Sibo C- was like an early like uh, supporter of them, and and for a while, I think it, if the tapes might say Sibo C- presents Mob Figures, and there were um, five members, um, but uh, the two I think ones that people know most are Jacka and Hustle. And those two are kind of a uh, hustle. A lot of people, when they first introduced to this stuff, hustle jumps out more immediately. I think to people when they're first exposed, which makes a lot of sense. Hustle is like a very magnetic, incredible rapper. His style uh, compared with Jack, those little more improvisational. He's a little bit more like he'll describe it when I've interviewed him. Like he talks about, he's much more about like feeling the vibe in the studio and and it's a little bit more off the cuff, I think, for him. Jacka is a little bit more of a writer's writer um, and a little bit more cool, a little bit more laid back, a little bit like off the beat. It's a, a little more of like a rap fan's favorite rapper, like a, a rapper's favorite rapper kind of approach. Um, but all all of them were a part, the mob figures in general were influenced by Queensbridge. Like that was a huge influence on them. And then also, um, uh, not just Queensbridge, but also state property. So these are, this is from Jacka telling me himself, like um, Cormega did records with them. Freeway did records with them. What I remember him telling me was like the first time he heard Elmatic, So going back to like the early nineties, they didn't fuck with it in the Bay. It wasn't like, yeah. they were like, the snares were louder than the kicks. Didn't sound good in the car. It wasn't until like the war report At the time, like he's saying, the West Coast had way better beats in the early 90s. And then by the late 90s, it switches. And he's like, the the West Coast beats sounded whack all of a sudden. But the um, East Coast had the dopest samples, the best uh, production, starting with about the war report. And then moving forward, they all wanted to sound like that was where the coolest sound was coming from. So when I I say it was influenced by like state property in Queensbridge, I don't think it's like a... uh, I think it's really like a genuine love of that music that sort of shaped why yeah. the mobster is, and and that was another thing too that like explains
1: why. What's interesting too uh, is that it's not. Yeah. It, what's interesting too is that it's not you know Nas that they're interested Not no disrespect to Nas, but it's not <laughs> right. Nas that they're interested in. It's uh, Capone and Noriega, right? You know what right. I mean? It, 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 right. It's it just, it, it's just it's it's. It's Queensbridge, but it, it may not be what you thought of when you first thought Queensbridge, right? You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, they were real, like, rap heads. Like, Rida yeah. J. Clyde, who's one of the mob figures, was a bit huge, like, East Coast rap uh, guy. Um, and, like, I remember uh, Jacka telling me that actually how they first met Cormega, I think, was opening, they were opening for Lil' John Circa Bia Bia in, like, North Carolina or, I, I, you can fact check this. I did an interview with Jack on Pitchfork, but, uh, and they were introduced through DJ Unique, who was there. It, there's like these networks, of course, of rappers that exist sort of beneath the surface of all this stuff. But um, I think that the mob figures were a very like unique, their, their influences were so unique. And at the time, I think a lot of people were stuck in this idea of like, the movement and what the Bay should sound like. The Bay sounds like this. This is how the Bay, you know, it's the, the E40 sound of, of uh, tell me when to go. And, mm-hmm. and and this stuff that was sort of more like poetic street knowledge, like deeper, like lyrical influence, um, these East Coast influences didn't like register. People were like, well, why, if I already have this East Coast rap, why would I want this? But, but the mob figures were really their own thing in so many ways musically like i can't go to them like i can't i don't go to state property and even though they there's a very close similarity and like parallel that they, they give me very different things yeah. and i should be clear like i'm not somebody who, i'm not from uh the bay and like i think that a lot of people sort of associate being a fan of the Jacka and mob as being a bay area thing it's such a you have to be here to get it kind of thing but I actually feel like and I think this is reflected in what Jacko would say about his own music is that he was going for this global melodic um, sound that, that we that you described like pre-Drake right like the idea of melody and connecting a sort of pan-African global musical consciousness that he was aiming for and that was actually the second place that I heard of Jacko was he did a interview in Murder Dog Magazine, where he put that out exactly, um, and in those words basically like said that that's what he was trying to do, yeah, um, and yeah. the fact that that connects to people outside the Bay, I think is like, in the long term, people will recognize that what he was doing is a kind of universal thing, not a hyper-local thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think more people are recognizing that now. In particular, in the entire state of California, because there are LA people who are very influenced by there are LA artists who are very influenced by the Bay Area, right? And like it's a it's a it's a notoriously different type of sound, but it's the, that bridge is starting to close a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I reviewed the Draco the Rule album for Pitchfork last week, and I, I put that he uh, comes from the tree of E Forty and Free. and mm-hmm. it's like you know what I mean. There, but and that you know bay area and south los angeles have i mean south south southern california have been uh different but they're that bridge is closing and i think it's closing in general um mm. they've more respect i think that i think the 2 short versus e40 versus versus battle 2 also probably helped a little bit <laughs> that's right. like they they killed it you know what i mean and so oh, it's, for sure. it's, yeah and, and i think
0: I think people are starting to, well, well, one good example would be Babyface Ray is one of the rising biggest stars in Detroit right now. And if you go back and listen to his early records, uh, I think he downplayed it in a recent interview a little bit because I know when artists are coming up, they don't want to be over compared. And, and I totally get that. And I don't, I don't think anyone would say Babyface Ray is like a jack-o-biter or something. But if you listen to some of the early records, it's very clear that Babyface Ray, listened to the Jacka. Like, it's just like, this. Uh, indis- I mean, he's said as much, but like, it's one of those things where you listen to some of these really early ones from like 2016, 17, and you're like, wow, this guy clearly like was imbibing these albums. Like he wasn't just like heard a hit record. He was like a fan. Like it, it just comes through so clearly to me in the rap style, the production choice in some of those early Babyface Ray uh, recordings. And it's cool to see that there are still artists that are influenced by him in that in that genuine fan way, not like in a, um, you know, our friend Brandon was saying earlier about how every rapper getting interviewed is like, yeah, I fuck with like Future, Young Thug, and been really appreciating Michael Jackson lately.
1: A lot of rappers will recycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> that was really funny. Especially the Michael Jackson part. A lot right. of rappers will just recycle these same artists too. They're the same artists they, Time, mm-hmm. uh, I think we were talking, I think we were talking about Joey Badass, I believe. And you were saying that he actually, the song Wave that he made reminded you of a currency song. Mm-hmm. Where, and, But if you were to act Joey Badass, um, you know, was he influenced by? And and maybe he's telling the truth here, but if you were to ask him that, he wouldn't put currency on the list. He would say um, uh, Ruckus or he would say Jay-Z or you know what I mean? He would he would he would just recycle the same type of names. And, and that's also region, too. That's also a lot of just like regional sure. stuff as well. You know, what I mean, I was
0: going to say with Joey Badass in particular, I think that um, he. uh I kind of wonder because I feel like early on you have your influence as an artist and then you have like when you start attracting managers and producers and all these people like around you and they're telling you what you're good at and why people like you and suddenly yeah. your like frame of reference for what you are and why you do it can shift and I, I don't know I don't know the story what happened with Joey Badass but I just remember there being like a the early stuff like Waves I remember um, seemed to have sort of a different set of like the mood board for it felt a little different than the stuff Mm -hmm. on the next project. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And and that's like a thing, like the Jacka conversation is interesting on so many levels because, you know, I I feel like if if someone's not deep into rap at this point, they might even be slightly lost because we're like, this is such a referential conversation and that's like tough because you're not dealing with celebrity. Because yeah. Jacka is a celebrity only in the Bay Area, and and to explain who he is and why he's singular and why he's unique requires all of these like it's it's all these like interlocking pieces. Because you and I see this big picture of it, but I feel like people who don't have the like because you, if you didn't like experience it, you you have we have to go into all these details to like explain the complex confluence freeway. of things yeah. that made this possible.
1: Yeah, to so, like um, show you why like this is someone who is like worth mentioning in terms of uh, one of the more influential rappers of his time, you know. Right. Um, so should we should we talk about the album? Yeah, let's, <laughs> so, so let's, let's talk about Tear guy. So, um yeah. uh, uh, what are some, I was I'm, I'm a big I'm big into They Don't Know with with Freeway and I think I'm big into it oh, yeah. because it's um, it's kind of like him and Freeway both seem to be like equal type of like fame and equal type of uh veterans too. It's like they both are part of they both are part of this collective and they both uh have done solo work that's Philadelphia Freeway is an excellent Rockefeller album that doesn't get enough credit. And um I think too, what's interesting is you know, E40 is the big homie, jay is the big homie, but it's like <laughs> it, it, it's like they both have. Carve out their own lane, and I find that that mm-hmm. I find that collaboration be very interesting. Those similar artists, kind of in career and history.
0: Yeah, uh, Jacka love freeway. Like, I, I don't think I'm speaking like out of uh, turn in saying that. Like, I remember when I interviewed him, he basically said, like, well, first of all, they have a bond because they're both uh, Muslim, and uh, I think that was very important to Jacka. That's a huge part of his his um, development as a not just as an artist but as a person um and he, it was very important to him and uh i remember him also telling me that when he met freeway at first it was just like a the first time they collaborated was a pure like here's the money for the verse kind of thing but then they really connected and then his features on tear gas he did like on the strength that they it wasn't like paying for them or whatever at that point they were like at a bond and um Like I said, State Property was a big influence on the sound of, uh, I I would say, the sort of mid-2000s Jacka records. And so Freeway is a big part of that. They Don't Know is a really cool record for sure. I think um, it's interesting but the record that most people consider the classic Jacka record is called The Jack Artist. It's from 2005. It's um, way more – there's definitely more of that, like, state property soul sample kind of sound to it. Um, It's Jacka's most, like, singularly rap auteur project. At the time, they had had a lot of money on his – Jacka's debut, a self-titled one. Um, And it – they spent a ton of money on it. They had a lot of money at the time. Um, Not really – he hasn't gone into detail why to me, but like they were like, they recorded it at the hit factory. They promoted it at like all of the events, the Myrtle, uh, bike rally and all this stuff. And then, um, hit a factory lot of guys, in
1: guys, right. That's Tim. That's the, that's the Timberland, Timberland, uh, um, the hit, hit factory. That's in Miami. Oh, hit, hit
0: factory is uh, New York, like puffy.
1: Okay. I think. okay. Yeah. okay.
0: yeah. Um, so they just spent like a ton of money on recording his debut. And then a bunch of his guys went to jail. All of a sudden they didn't have money. And as he put it, I had to let skill pave the way. I always remember that quote that he told me. Um, and so the Jack artist, which is like his big credibility thing in the Bay, like his big classic album that everybody respects from produced entirely by Rob Lowe. his like the mob figures, main producer, um, has definitely this uh state property influence. Cormega is on a, a remix of one of the records. It's considered like the classic Jack album. Mm-hmm. But I'm sort of in, in picking tear gas, I'm contending that he has like a much longer career arc than has been like traditionally credited by Rap Nerds. And that tear gas was an advancement of like what he was building to. And and part of what like Tear Gas is like his crossover album at a time when it was impossible for street rappers to get crossover albums that you had to be like a blog darling at that time. And that, um, as we talked about earlier, and I think that Tear Gas is interesting because like, they don't know is, uh, the Freeway record is like it's one facet of this like diamond that's trying to, he wanted to do what he said in that interview where he was like, talking about taking the sound of like the world and making it into this big ambitious like the the style of beats is all it's it's no longer just that state property sound he's doing like he does a beastie boys flip he does um uh yeah the the they don't know with freeway is a little bit more of that kind of just blaze feel maybe Mm -hmm. um and and i think that like if you go into tear gas expecting one sound, you might end up like feeling a little underwhelmed. But if you realize it's like it's him with it, it's it was Jacka doing the ambitious, almost puff daddy like, look, i'm I'm doing this on a regional rapper budget, but I am a star. I am a like crossover rap. I can write I write verses like Beanie Siegel or Freeway, but I have a musical ear like, you know like the biggest artist in the world, like Drake, like we said, like he was going for this crossover sound. And and I think he actually was very good at it. Um, And and Tear Gas is one of the most exciting albums to me because it like shows this artist that the limitations of regionalism couldn't hem him in creatively when he saw the world as, as what he wanted to reach, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also, the first thing that jumped at him, out to me about this album and you talked about it is you know, yeah, he may be a Bay Area artist, but he has so many different rappers from different regions. And Devin the dude is from, from Texas. He's got him mm-hmm. on there too.
0: Paul Wall's on there. I mean?
1: Yeah, Paul Wall's on there. Yeah, and and in your Pitchfork interview with the Jacka too he says, you know, Gangstar he had a really dope sound. He said he loved Chuck D, right. Special Ed. And, it, and this is a student of the game. You can see that on, on this album, I think
0: hundred percent. He's such a, like, like the other thing is that he, um, i trying to remember exactly how old he is. He, and what's interesting, sorry, I keep like doing footnotes on footnotes here. Him and Max B are around the same age. And I feel like they were doing similar things on opposite coasts and Max B has gotten a little bit more name recognition because his coast happened to be New York, even though he was like slept on at the time too, by a lot of the like real rap heads. But like, the two of them both did melodic raps. They were trying to be stars, not local artists, but they did it in their own way and had their own unique vision. Um, I would say Jack is a little bit more of like a, a little bit more of a political, like street militant, like conscience. Uh, he was big into Cam, K A M, who's a West Coast rapper that like was very political. Um, he he was into, he was really inspired by Ice Cube. So Jack had a little bit more of this mm-hmm. like explicit uh political thing to it whereas with max it's a little more implied or like beneath the surface yeah. um but uh yeah um sorry what, what did you said <laughs> i lost track of my thought
1: No, what, no, uh, what was that
0: what did you ask I, I lost track of my thought
1: where i was going with this oh no i i uh, uh no you're good you're good i this just this, this podcast is is all about tangents, don't worry about it. Me, me and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me and Barbara crazy. started talking about dog food at some point, so we started right. talking about yeah. We started talking about the dog Pot album. Oh, that, you're that talking about, night, so uh,
0: about it. him going like with artists all over the country.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. From artists, um, yeah. From artists of every region. I, I and him, him also being into artists of of all regions, I thought was very interesting.
0: So at the time, I think that um, so like when I think of like the golden age of my generation's interest in rap music i'm 37 um we i i graduated high school in 2001 this is like a peak for rap as a pop phenomenon which starts with puffy i think or or really like dre and snoop and then tupac and puffy and moving into the 2000s where you have nelly and ja rule and 50 is this like the the sense of like the creative and the commercial coinciding in an unusual to an unusually strong degree that populist popular and good thing i was talking about i once
1: i once heard a quote uh, mm. not to bring up someone who's ultra famous on a very niche podcast but i once actually saw a quote <laughs> from kanye who mm-hmm. he said that his goal was to be uh i think he said something like his goal was to be jay-z meets most death like that was literally just like what he like envisioned in his mind right Oh yeah. And
0: and, yeah. and, and actually as a producer, you know, who he really wanted to be was Puffy. He was making right. like hit men, If you look at his early beats, he's making hit men type beats. So right, this was right, like yeah. the, the sound of uh, commercial, um, like hip hop's commercial strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by 2009, that has really dissipated. And like, there's, I mean, there's all these articles in the New Yorker about his hip hop dead and like guys like Freddie Gibbs and, um, who, who got this sort of publication and blog attention at the time uh, benefited, and, and I'm not saying this to take anything from them, but they benefited from that kind of discourse. Like people being like real rap with, with I mentioned Yellow Wolf earlier, but Freddie's probably a better example of like somebody who's like rap style is way more like intricate and, and uh, syllables and, and rapid fire and this kind of traditionalist, um, like he can fucking rap like look at him go like a athletic almost approach to rap and like uh what was what i found in the bay area stuff and jacka especially really exciting was it sort of reminded me of this it wasn't retro he was definitely a man of his time and of his like he knew what he was talking about yeah. but it reminded me in its like ambitions of this time in the late 90s, early 2000s when rappers were popping, not just in New York and LA, but from um, Florida, Trick Daddy, uh, yeah. from Atlanta, of course, was beginning to take over, from um, uh, Nelly is from St. Louis, like that the, it's felt like the entire world. So like in the 90s, you have rap from all over the country, but only a few of them are yeah. actually becoming stars by the late 90s, early 2000s, rap from all over the country is becoming hugely commercially successful. You don't have yeah. to be from, uh, and, and you know, of course, this starts a little earlier Bone Thugs are from Cleveland, but I, it really reaches its full realization when I'm a teenager and in college. And so when I see on YouTube in the Bay Area, they're making this music and DJ Fresh was a big producer at this time around tear gas era. And he's doing these beats that you flip 80s samples, just like Puffy used to. But he's digging right. a little bit deeper and go. And so the compared to like Atlanta, which is way more in the trap sound at the time, the Bay sounded like this is the this is the kind of shit that feels like it would be conquering the world if it wasn't 2009. If it was 2002. Um, yeah. And and again, not in a retro way. Much more in a like. This is the next level of that or the next stage of that. Um, but because of the way yeah. pre-streaming things are set up, it doesn't really work like that. And I would say, like, I should mention this too, I'm not talking too much right now. Uh, no, you're the angry. reason that I wrote about Chicago rap the way that I did when Lil Durk and Keefe and these guys start started to get attention locally was in part because I saw what happened with the Bay. And I remember feeling like, the Bay had missed its shot to get that same kind of, mm. that like I would see on YouTube, these guys, I'm like, these guys are stars, Shady Nate, all the, there were all these Bay rappers at the time. Working the with DJ biggest Fresh.
1: Bay hit, it's like, that's funny that you say that. The biggest Bay hit, like in that era is Blow the Whistle, right? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be?
0: Blow the Whistle is, yeah, it's around that time. I think it's 2007, 2008. Um, but that, well, yeah. that, 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 that's not a delay. yeah. That that was like on the delay, like Jay-Z flipped it at one point and like it it sort of slowly, it never charted when it first came out. It was a big record, but there were a lot of big records. I think when I think of the hit from that time that I remember feeling bigger, it was D-Lo had a song called No Hope (laughs) Um, that was like huge. There, there were a lot, it, the Bay was just this exciting scene. Sometimes local scenes have like a surplus of creative people doing stuff at the same time and pre-streaming, it would be like, there were so many, I felt like I was discovering a new artist on YouTube every day. And then when that started, that wasn't the case in 2009 in Chicago. I was like heavy on this stuff. Like, and then suddenly in 2012 in Chicago, what's happening. And I felt like, I, what happened in the Bay? It seemed like to me was that the press mainly fixated on little B. That was like the guy that people cared the most about. Um, Arden here has that's the uh, yeah Hove remixed it. That was what I was trying to think of. Uh, the 2008. Oh yeah, 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 so yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> might have even been 2006. It was it was a while. I'd have to look up exactly what year, but it was like it took a long time to reach that point. Um, yeah, because like a 2000 Blow the Whistle is the hyphy era. So what kind of obscured Jacka, I think to some extent, was also first the narrative was around hyphy music and Ghost Riding the Whip and, and this like rick rock sound that was really like wild and like the after Mac Dre passed. Um, but like the sort of more street narrative stuff was sort of under the surface. Um yeah and I think that there was this real healthy ecosystem in 2009 with a lot of diverse sounds. I'm repeating myself now, so I'm gonna stop talking.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just I also just find the production very interesting too, right? It it's, it's feels somehow definitely puffy, definitely a little uh, Rockefeller influence too, just like a lot of powerhouse. Uh, production i a lot of um i i what i thought about the fix scarface is the fix when i listened to this yes hundred kind of percent
0: Do- yeah. Dopest for real is one yeah, of my yeah. favorite you're asking my favorite songs Dopus for real is totally a guess who's back kind of record um by the the scarface uh one for sure that sort of kanye vibe
1: yeah it's 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 definitely eerily really similar to uh but still a hardcore rap record you know what i mean that's kind of sweet spot where it's still a very hardcore rap record but it's also something you can kind of sing along to and so <laughs> i felt I, I i a lot of the, the fix has a lot of that and so and, and that's probably the the uh people most mostly would say the fix a lot that's because there's a lot of east coast features on it but still i, I felt that, the, that when i listened to tear gas i was like mm, this is kind of it, it's either similar to the fix or or it's going for similar things i felt yeah yeah
0: i, I think that that I definitely hear that um, in parts of it. I think that though it also has this real unique feel at the same time, probably the defining record on it is the single with Andre Nicotina, another Bay rapper. And um, that's one of my favorite songs, like rap songs ever, period. is It's just such a great, uh, it's, it's such a great melodic rap record, which is what everybody wants to sign now. And at the time couldn't get like an, un- Inch of attention anywhere outside of the bay. Um, But like that record is unbelievably good. Um, Like I can instantly recall the melody, like just thinking about it. Um, One of my favorite, what was I going to say about it? Glamorous Lifestyle. Yeah. It's just a it's a beautiful song. Uh, yeah, when when I think of that sound though, like even well, though this it's,
1: these... it's funny that that's. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it, it, it's it's funny that you know it's rare that the most popular song is someone's be- is someone's favorite song, but it, it's it's it makes sense for Jacka though I think.
0: Right. I think that if, if the album had really crossed over, then maybe I'd be like, I'm too cool for this like, hit record. But like, yeah, yeah. because it's an obscurity, you can be like, look, the single was. They picked the right record to be the single.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that happens, though. I mean, each the Izzo is still one of my favorite Jay-Z songs. I mean, it just, it's it's it, that happens sometimes.
0: Right. Uh, glamorous yeah, yeah. Lifestyle is just such a cool fucking unique. It was unique. It was melodic. But it was like hard, but it was... Like a club record, but it had like a, leg, a Bay Area legend on it, and uh, I was I was just it was such a unique record and so memorable to me. Um, yeah, really, really stood out. And I think the other thing about it is that it doesn't, it doesn't actually, it has influences, I'm sure, but I, I can't make like some automatic connection between that song and some like formative mm-hmm. uh, New York or outside influence. It's just a good, like great pop record in the in the good sense of pop like it, it's a hit it's not a uh that is not a passive record um yeah
1: it's it's, it's just good rap music you know what i mean yeah
0: and and, and songcraft.
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely uh, it, it's it's um, hard for me to he, understand
0: how much i miss like experiencing he had mentioned
1: stuff. yeah go ahead in in your pitchfork interview he had mentioned uh um, Tupac and and the ad libs that Pac would use um, mm-hmm. in, in, in his records and how he would like leave that on. I find that very interesting too. Right. Pac had, so he wouldn't, Jacka wouldn't have these monologues like Tupac would have, but he would have right. specific things that he would say that only Jacka would say on records.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jacka had like this uh like certain core distinct uh trying to think of what a good example there, there's definitely like language and, and stuff that and you know of course lingo is like both regional and personal right like there's lingo that's everybody in the neighborhood was saying and there's stuff that the artist creates themselves and a lot of times as an outsider you're not sure which is which and that's part of like there's a creation of a mystique around that where you're both the place and the person are like, you don't totally get it. And that's part of the appeal. Um,
1: I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I'm someone who, I just got a Wu-Tang tattoo the other day. And it's <laughs> like, that that's a group where like their lingual is legitimately personal. Like that shit is like only personal low key. It's like, you can't really like, even me, like I know a lot of the language, but not enough to just be like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm well-versed in it. You know what I mean? That right. shit is, like, legitimately in them and, like, only them. Whereas, like, other people, it's regional.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that most, most artists is probably a mix, right? Like, yeah. with, uh, even, even Wu-Tang, like, I'm sure that there was stuff, like, part of the reason it was just them is because, like, Staten Island is probably a very, like, at that time was probably a very insular community. And also, they were being investigated as, like, a drug gang by the feds. And a lot of it was, like, I remember, like, reading, like, this stuff was like communi- ways of communicating without being surveilled, basically. Um, I, th- I think there's probably like a lot of complex interactions and in all this stuff.
1: Out of all the things we've spoken about, about Jacka, what would you, what do you think in terms of this generation in terms of t- being in 2021 and rap music, what would Jacka have brought to the table that is not currently here currently, do you think?
0: That's kind of hard to, um, answer in one sense I bonnet think that
1: yeah.
0: okay I actually do have an answer for it though so like I see sort of a the way that um everything has shifted has been very dramatically in favor of the kinds of artists that Jacko what was that uh, melodic um telling stories from like specific neighborhoods and, and about specific things happening on the ground there um he also was always like a explicitly political artists in a way that seems extremely prescient of the current moment. Although of course I think real true political artists will always seem prescient. <laughs> like it's, it's not a thing that goes out of style in the long yeah, game, yeah. but um, I, I think that like, so it's, it's hard to say that he would bring anything that's not here uh, because so much of what he brought has since become like the standard or the way that like, um, things are. And I don't even mean that he influenced it to be that way. In many cases, I think a lot of people, he was fairly obscure to a lot of people. It was more that just he saw the way things were going and knew how things uh, worked He at a, at a deeper level than a lot of artists. And um, I will say that one thing that I think that is not present that he has is a sense of, uh, he recorded tons of music. But he was always there was a distinct level of quality control to his verses that I don't hear as much that like I would find myself picking apart his verses to see like the subtle ways that he would make his writing more effective than the next guys. And there were I I wanted to hear his guest verses on some random no name Bay rapper that just paid him a couple hundred bucks for a guest verse. And I'd listen and it would be just like perfect, like an immaculate verse. And you could go through and look Mm -hmm. at how he would write these things in such a particular way that was unique to him and didn't feel like he was either wasting space or, as he said, shooting the breeze. He was always speaking with purpose. And I think that's a thing that's definitely missing now because so many artists are forced to create tons and tons of content or their momentum dries up, that um, he was one of those rare artists, like Gucci at the time, uh, who was actually, like, a writer who, even when he was prolific, he wasn't wasteful. It wasn't uh, – mm-hmm. there was no empty filling of content. This was what he – he didn't make content, he made art. I think that's a that's the main thing mm-hmm. that he did that is not present now for a lot of artists, and, of course, there are exceptions. But the, the sense of, like, you, you flood the market not because that's, like – the marketing plan but because you have to like because that's how you sustain your career um mm-hmm. he did all those 400 hundred dollar guest verses uh because um that was how he paid the bills you know yeah. and okay. he for his art it was like um i don't think that there was a there wasn't this sense of like the how do I put this? The signal matched the noise. Mm-hmm. There wasn't there wasn't noise. It was like signal. He was a rapper with sig. It was all signal, and I think that's the thing that's like missing from a lot of artists currently. That he yeah. brought. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace.
1: I always, I always felt was- that, uh, what's interesting is I always felt that Nipsey Hussle had that quality to him. Dropped a lot of music, but it it never once felt like it was a data dump. It always felt like it it. it it was still intricate, but also uh, set in a way where you can easily hear it, and it could relate to something that felt lived in. It felt something that was uh, earnest in a, in a in a way, and Jacka's music felt that way as well.
0: Yeah, I think that, um, and, and unfortunately, tragically, Jacka and Nipsey had similar ends to their stories,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and I think that the main difference between the two is that Nipsey had come in through that blog window that like I was talking about earlier, that was the access to press and media and, and prestige. And and I mean, he was of course underrated in his time alive as well. But like the reason that I think that he's a bigger name now um, is, is in large part because he happened to be on that blog, the crest of like the blog he was considered one of those blog era rappers Mm -hmm. in a -hmm. way that Jacka was not. And um, a lot of what's sad, like it makes it doubly sad to me in certain ways that Jacka, like I, I felt like one of the few outsiders who was interested in that story. And I, by outsiders, I mean, I know that in the Bay, there are lots of, he's like a hero there. It's not even a question that Jacka is a legend in the Bay area, but like, from the outside that people just like don't believe it I think uh Tom Bryan and I'm gonna pick on him right now because I remember him writing when Jacka died as if he was sort of legislating that Jacka was never really a star he was always a regional guy and since that time it's I've almost become like I feel like I'm making the exact opposite point that like That the way, and this is a lesson that I learned from Jack in general, is that the way things are isn't a natural thing. There is no organic, the cream rising to the top. That's not how the world works. You make your own way, and um, sometimes that's uh, as Gucci once said. He's like, I don't really care. The game is unfair. Like that's that's the way things are. Things are the the idea that like what we're told is the best and what we receive happened that way naturally is not the case. Things happen because certain people make them happen. Mm -hmm. And we're told that it's like natural and organic and all this stuff, but that's not really true that like people do things to industries, shape things the way the music industry failed in the
1: late way. Yeah
0: like made it so that this happened this way. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I, I followed I was a fan of Nipsey's at uh, the uh, Mailbox Money was one of my favorite projects that year. I think that um uh it, it could be like really tough like this is a lot of what they did was one of one both of them and it could be tough to see like it, it's uh how to say it it's validating to see the way people responded with nipsey because i know that if they had known about jacka it would have had a similar effect but um you know there's a there's a randomness to how the universe works and yeah and hopefully in the long run people will recognize i did an obituary for jacka in um uh complex when he died and um I think the, the headline, I said, uh, the jacket leaves behind a legacy meant to extend beyond the Bay Area. And I closed the obituary with a uh, quote from um, Mobbing Through the West. Uh, and he was like, uh, we was real, but when I'm gone, I wonder what they'll say. When I, all I ever did was try to make it the ill way. Since I was a kid, they've been asleep, but they will wake. And that kind of like faith that people will understand what he's doing in a in a international sense almost, um, I think is one of the things that's re- most true to me about his music and his art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: I, think like, something, I, I, I think something that I've learned from you, Jeff Weiss, Andrew Barber, others, um, is that canon like you were saying canon is not based not always based on what actually is or just how what people want it to be right and then Mm -hmm. there is canon that is not uh that was not given the proper respect that it should have been given back then right i remember there was a a prompt on twitter once what was a review that the source did that was crazy and was, was like project pat they gave like two and a half mics too. And it's like, that's clearly a four and a half mic album like at the very least, you know what I mean? And it's like, there are tons of records like that, right? And so um, one of the reasons why I even like started doing this podcast is I started realizing that, I started realizing that there were things that I had liked in Canon that were not given the proper uh, love at the time, or even just in general, the most, even the most famous rapper in the world, right? There are albums that I like from that rapper, that are not the albums that are on Rolling Stone's list, for example. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Volume 3 is is my favorite Jay-Z album. That's not on any, like, high list.
0: Right. We were just talking about this with um, Mike Jones and Still Tippin, and there there was uh, this person I follow on Twitter, um, who I believe is, like, a high school student or something, (laughs) um, but was talking about, like, how the people their age don't – like are too focused on albums and like the album canon and they miss great songs like Still Tippin. And of course I was like a college student when Still Tippin came out. So like uh, I remember that very well as a huge cultural phenomenon and like a thing that even on a deeper album level that actually came out first on uh, the day Hell Broke Loose uh, Mm 2, which was like a Swisher House label mixtape that I remember people saying was better than, the Mike Jones album that came after but now nobody even remembers that that mixtape and there's lots of projects like that that like if, if you're only looking at this album artist and like is this a good album artist you're missing so many stories um certainly like in dance music which is another area I like uh mixes can be way more important than like album artist projects you know
1: yeah, and, and I think hip hop just has way more depth than we make it seem, make it out to be, right?
0: and um, that 2009 era, the Max B mixtapes, the Jacka mixtapes, the Boosie mixtapes, mm-hmm. the um, Gucci ones, of course, um, Zero's album projects. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much stuff that, like, I think when you start digging in and, and realizing the range of what's out there, the, your confidence, it's like the more you know, the less confidence you should have about what the canon is, <laughs> do you know what I mean?
1: It's you know different than what the canon might've told you. And what's really funny about 2009 is that kind of was gone literally the next year, low key. It's like mm-hmm. the next year, it started to be again. And a lot of that is my beautiful, I think a lot of that is my Beautiful Doctors of Fantasies 2010. And so after literally that, it became more so about, oh, this, these prestige albums, you know what I mean? These prestige albums that everybody loves, you know what I mean? As opposed to looking at hip hop in terms of all the depth that was going on. And so it's... Well, it's, it's,
0: it's I would say what really changed was, was the streaming uh, revolution. And what when... I think that the canary in the coal mine was the drill stuff, which like was doing gajillions of streams. And like th- these labels have put all this money into other artists who aren't streaming shit. And these kids who were like on house arrest are doing you know, millions of streams without, without any label behind them. And it just showed how like their neat streaming needed to happen by 2012. Still, you only had, I was just reading this. It was 5 million Spotify subscribers worldwide and Apple music didn't exist. Now those like shape what's, you know. uh, And so like, I think of SoundCloud rap as being really the first wave of like, commercially, like drill is the like underground phenomenon that makes the industry realize it's fucking up. And then SoundCloud rap is the commercial realization of like, oh, this stuff that we're having trouble selling physical albums is actually massively important and popular in the culture. And these like young boy, does does young boy get where he is in 2009? I don't think so, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. You're frozen again. And and, right. and I
1: think and then mm-hmm. um I was going what was I going to say? Um I can tell you see I can tell you exactly where I was the first time I was, I don't like. You know what I mean? It's like it's it, it's 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 that's you know and, and and I think that is the And he was an uns- of-
0: he was an unsigned regional rapper when you saw that. And right. that did not right. happen in two thousand nine. Right.
1: And I saw there a visceral, mu- I saw a visceral music video of just a kid with all his friends, and I was like, "Wow, I've actually never seen something like this before," in like that type of minimalistic way, and that type, I've never seen that. I've just never. And those drums, they were they were inescapable. I just, I've never mm. seen that before. And so it was that th- things like that is what make uh, rap rap.
0: And and it was my experience watching and following along with the Bay stuff in the um, late 00s that made me want to cover the Chicago stuff the way that I did to give um, that that I felt like there was an important cultural moment happening and that people were not, um, because they were so focused on this sort of narrow bottleneck of publications and blogs, they were missing out on important cultural movements happening. And again, this is like everything from creation to uh, the Dallas scene, to the um, uh, Atlanta scene, to the Bay, to the UK funky scene in London, to that there's a ton of these little scenes of incredible music uh, that never really jerk the jerkin thing they mm-hmm. just never really got the attention that they would have in a streaming ecosystem. And yeah. they're kind of, they're a little bit lost to history, where they're only like in our memories. They're not really like canonized um, in the way that other things are.
1: Um, you know, that, that's all the time we got, but we thank you so much for coming on to talk about the uh, Jack album and, and, and artists who as we discuss streaming, the Jack is somebody who uh, came around. is in Canada, might look a little bit different. So that's it's very interesting.
0: Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.